winter storms have been wreaking havoc across the country this week. Floods in the Northeast, blizzards in the plains, tornadoes in the South. And the worst of the winter storm is scheduled to land here in Chicago tomorrow with up to eight inches of snow and frigid temperatures. So here to discuss the coming cold and wider weather concerns is Scott Collis, atmospheric scientist with Argonne National Laboratory. I gotta say, welcome back to Reset, Scott, and I'm so thrilled to finally meet you in person. The pleasure is mutual. This has been three years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's start off by talking locally, Scott. This season has felt pretty mild so far. We've talked about it a ton on the program, but I want to zoom out a bit because 12 tornadoes were reported across the South on Tuesday and more than 22 million people were under tornado watches, essentially. So uh, a rare blizzard was also being predicted for the Pacific Northwest. This extreme weather, what do you make of it? Well, it feels like a switch was suddenly turned on and U.S. got its weather back. Um, Basically, what's happened is a weather system called a Greenland block has set up. And what that has done is it's kind of buckled the rails that our weather systems travel on. So rather than kind of traveling around the country, they're going up and down and picking up a lot of that Gulf moisture Mm -hmm. and bringing it back up into the midsection of the continent. So those same storm that caused the snow earlier this week was the same storm that actually spun up a lot of those tornadoes in Alabama. Oh, my goodness. Well, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, uh, it says last year's disasters were the costliest ever. Wow. Wow. 28 disasters that cost at least a billion dollars, Scott. What is behind that increase? So there's two things. One is climate change. Storms are getting more frequent and more intense. And two, more infrastructure put in vulnerable areas that's vulnerable to being destroyed by high winds from tornadoes and by floods that are caused by hurricane and other disasters. Yeah. 2023, we're hearing, was the hottest year on record. What does that mean exactly? So both the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration and our European entities, they take uh, measurements around the globe, including the temperature of the oceans, and average that out. And they found that not only was 2023 the warmest on record, it was the degree in which it was warmer was greater than any increase that we've ever seen. Mm. So that's actually drawing into question of whether some of the climate models we use to predict future climate may even be underestimating the impact of climate change. Yeah, and uh, are those temperature increases leading to massive weather disasters? They are, and the, the, the physics is quite simple. It's warmer air holds more moisture. For every degree Celsius of temperature increase, it can hold 7% more water. And water is what these thunderstorms and weather systems feed on. Mm -hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're hearing about and seeing lots of extreme weather happening across the country. And we know that the worst of the winter storm this week is scheduled to land here in our area tomorrow. And we're expecting up to eight inches of snow and some really, really cold air temperatures. We're here with Scott Collis, who's an atmospheric scientist with Argonne National Laboratory and getting, of course, the latest update from Scott. Now, I want to turn to our backyard. Mm -hmm. What can we expect tomorrow? (laughs) Weather. Weather and a lot of it. So settle this. How much snow? Because I've been hearing lots of different numbers. I'm hearing a foot. I'm hearing a few inches. What's up? 
So I'm going to give you a very unsatisfying answer. Oh, gosh. And that is it's still uncertain. But I'll tell you why. The storm system that's going to produce the really bad weather conditions we're going to get from tomorrow onwards, that storm system is actually just exiting the Rockies right now. As it exits the Rockies, it actually gets picked up a lot better by our observational networks, and we're able to then predict its path a lot better. Because as it comes out of the Rockies, it's going to dip over Oklahoma, and it's going to pick up a lot of, again, moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and that's what's going to make this storm rapidly intensify. It's actually going to become something we call a bomb cyclone. Mm, and that, what does that mean, mean? It means that the pressure in the centre of the storm will drop by at least 24 hectopascals in 24 hours. In normal people speak, that just means it's going to get really strong, really quick, and it, the real key message for this storm is the winds. Oh, my goodness. What was that word? Hector what? Hectopascals. It's a measure of pressure. Hectopascals. I learn something new every time I talk to you, Scott. I love it. So we just talked about tomorrow. What about next week? Because I need to know what, what, what happens after this. Yeah, so as the storm comes through, it's going to switch the winds around to the north. So on uh, Friday night, especially into Saturday, we're going to see a real drop in temperatures. The good news is it's going to be sunny. The bad news is it's going to become bitterly cold. On Saturday. And on Saturday and into next week. Oh, my goodness. All right, so these frigid temperatures are due to what we call the, the polar vortex, right? Well, the polar vortex influences them. The polar vortex is a, a global weather pattern that kind of can dictate whether you're getting more storms from the north or from the south. As that polar vortex breaks down, instead of being a big circle around the top of the globe, it becomes more of a, an eight shape. Um, it can send more storms our way, and that the Greenland block and other global weather systems are actually intrinsically linked. Mm. Well, you know, as we talk about these frigid temperatures, you know, from Saturday onward, uh, are they dipping into dangerous, risky conditions? Yeah, so we're going to see wind chills very much into the negatives. So that's where you really need to cover exposed skin, make sure you're rugged up or if you're able to stay inside and stay warm. Again, the difference between dangerous conditions and not sometimes is the amount of uh, protection you can wear gloves mm. a hat and so forth yeah let's let's talk about that uh, protecting yourself is key here right layering uh, up layering up so I say it's all about the layers you wear a warm layer close to your skin can keep your skin dry as well because sometimes when you sweat it can actually become dangerous a warm layer such as a puffy jacket a warm pair of pants and that all important shell layer that can stop the wind getting through those other clothing layers and just robbing you of your body heat mm -hmm. uh, is Saturday considering how cold it'll be is that a good day for sledding if you've got the right gear and if as long as you can make sure you can get back into shelter and especially you've got little ones keeping an eye out for the signs of frostbite you know how hard it can be sometimes to keep kids gloves on and things like that and it's right. going to be those extremities that are going to get hit first i used to always have those little strings yes. attached to my <laughs> my girls jackets uh, never lost a pair of mittens <laughs> uh so if you have to be outside right because you know some good advice that folks always use is you know if you don't have to be when it's cold, just stay inside, right? But if you do have to be outside for work or to get to work, folks like me, for instance, I have to come out. Any thoughts on the best way to stay safe? 
Yeah, first of all, let's just talk briefly about the storm and the impacts as well. Sure. Because the best time to be inside, if you can, is that Friday evening through Saturday morning. Because winds are really going to pick up and it'll still be snowing, there is a small possibility that we'll even get blizzard conditions with visibilities under a quarter of a mile and winds over 35 miles per hour. Mm. It's in those conditions where things like driving just become very, very dangerous because you can't see in front can't of you. See. And those winds are going to keep covering those freshly ploughed roads. So um, Department of Transports is going to have a lot of trouble keeping up with keeping those streets ploughed. So, mm. Yeah, that's good to know. So between Friday evening and Saturday morning is the time correct. to really If you can down. stay home, stay home. Stay inside. The temperature at this Saturday's NFL game in Kansas City is supposed to be negative two degrees, Scott. Yikes. You have to be a, you have to be a keen football fan to go to that. <laughs> yeah, th this may be the coldest game in the history of the NFL, yes. I'm hearing. Is that safe, though, for the players? Again, it, should the game go on? That's a, I, I'd be more worried about the people in the stands than the players. At oh, least I was going to ask you about them, too. The players running around and doing things like that. You know, that's really... The NFL, I assume, has weather and safety folks there that I hope can make that kind of call. But again, taking precautions, regular warming breaks, keeping those extremities warm, that's the most important thing. Gosh, how do you catch and throw a football in those conditions, <laughs> I I can't do it in the best of conditions. <laughs> um, and the fans staying outside for three, four hours in the stands, yep. they've got to be layered up. Layered up, hand warmers, all of that, all of that jazz. Yeah, the NFL traditionally plays uh, no matter what the weather is. It's, I guess it's a badge of honor. Is that right? <laughs> uh, but with the temperatures at below zero, it sounds to me like it's not actually safe. I mean, what in your scientific opinion, <laughs> what do you say? So again, it really comes down to preparation, um, making sure that you're able to get warm and find a place to get warm, um, making sure you have a source of heat, warm fluids, for instance, um, recognizing the signs of frostbite and hypothermia. What are as, those signs? Yeah, so numbness um, uh, in your fingertips, um, whiteness as well. Um, when you start to lose sensation and your fingertips start to look a bit pale, that's a time to really get get inside, get warm. Um, hypothermia, some of the signs are um, muddle-headedness, uh, inability to think straight, for mm. instance. Um, and that's often when you're starting to go into severe hypothermia where you, you actually just, you just not even, you don't even feel cold anymore. So, yeah. And again, with hypothermia, the key thing is to get that person inside and gradually warmed up as well. We had a pair of winter surfers on the program earlier today with the conditions we're talking about coming up this weekend, I mean, do you recommend it? They say that this is the best time for them as yes, far as I, waves in Lake Michigan. I heard the interview. It was fascinating. And again, it kind of comes down to preparedness. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people seek the cold weather and seek those things. And often when you do that, you are better prepared. You have the right gear. You know you've experienced those extremes before. For instance, you know, when I went up to Alaska to Utkiavik, we had minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. When was this? There. This was uh, three years ago. Okay. Um, we have a research station, the Atmospheric Radiation Measurement uh, Facility, the Department of Energy, which is uh, run by Argonne and other labs. We have a experimental station up at the northernmost city in Alaska. Uh -huh. And when we go up there, you, you get special gear, you do special training, so you know how to actually work, uh, survive, and thrive in those conditions. You pack a lot differently when you you're going to Alaska, don't yes. you? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so drive it home for us. Back here in Chicago, you talked about the, the wind 
really expected to add to all, all of the the uh, uh, the conditions there and create really dangerous conditions for travelers on the road. I'm also thinking about airports too. Scott. Yeah. So again, the system's going to come through in a wave. It's going to come through. We're going to wake up to snow tomorrow morning. That may transition to rain for some areas. That's leading to a lot of the uncertainty there. And then as that low pressure, that bombing low pressure goes over Chicago, the winds are going to swing out of the north. That's where the worst conditions are going to come in. They will probably create havoc at O'Hare International Airport. This oh, last yes. storm that came through, there was actually a ground stop for a while due right. to heavy snow, but poor visibility, winds that are changing radically, and snowfall is kind of like a triple whammy uh, that will probably snarl air traffic. My goodness. And you said right now it's out in the Rockies right it's now? It's just coming out of the Rockies now. And then you're keeping an eye, of course. Now, uh, these cold temperatures, they're coming, and I think that's why uh, some of us are so frustrated. They're coming after Chicago had one of its warmest mm -hmm. Decembers. What's with all this whiplash, Scott? It's going to be a shock, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things there. One, January is our coldest and snowiest month. So that is what we expect. But what we don't expect is the extreme variability we've been seeing lately. But that is actually something that a lot of our climate models predict, mm -hmm. that as the globe warms, we're going to get more extremes both ways. And it all comes down to just plugging more energy into the climate system. We're getting more warm days, but we can also get more cold snaps like this that had made doubly worse because we had, you know, over 50 degrees on Christmas Day. That's right. And we're going now down to, you know, into you the negative. Huh? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll leave it there. Scott Collis is an atmospheric scientist with Argonne National Laboratory. Thank you for the update, Scott. Stay warm, please. My pleasure, Sasha, and everyone else. I hope you stay warm as well.